1: Welcome to the 5-Year Plan Podcast. Hey. Lovely. Um Lovely. It is pod 336, the latest in our isolation pod series. Isolation. <laughs> isolation.
2: It, so guess. it feels less isolated this week, the last couple of days. It? It's yeah, not
1: quite the same with that yeah. bit. It's not the same without Enders, is it?
2: No. Oh, Thanks. <laughs> great that's a, that's oh, a great way to start thank you <laughs> <laughs> lovely i meant yeah, I mean,
1: yeah. I mean the harmonies in the isolation song that's, yeah that's i right. miss seeing the
2: that's d-
3: right i was
1: trying
2: to fill in but never mind <laughs> i miss seeing the top of ender's head as he slumps further and further down his sofa was, as each pod goes he off. was very relaxed last week wasn't he yeah, in inverted commas <laughs> yeah he was relaxed as a nude last week yeah <laughs> <laughs> um good so kevin day and, and- Tired and emotional. <laughs> kevin
1: day and andy street are here it's a three-man pod this week uh kevin how you doing
2: uh, not too bad, thank you very much. Yes. It's, it's, um, slightly, if you hear a scrabbling sound that might be Dominic Cummings at the window, but <laughs> Good. we've got some nice bluebells underneath <laughs> the garage. <laughs> the bluebells look lovely. Um I knew really we'd get that in early doors. Um, Andy Street, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm
3: not wearing my glasses this week because I've done a 300-mile journey this
1: afternoon and my eyesight's absolutely <laughs> fine. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Ticking boxes as we go. Um, so this week we're going to, similar to last week, chat about, there's, there's developments again with Project Restart. I found out I was calling it Project Return last couple of weeks, which was wrong and no one picked me up on that. It's Project Restart apparently. Um, we're then going to discuss an article from The Athletic and answer lovely questions from our lovely listeners. Before we do that, at, can i get a little drum roll for a random patron <laughs> stephen barker oh
2: hey stephen <laughs> what a legend yeah what a nice guy yeah. Uh, yeah you happy with you happy with the drum roll you know that's not better with enders when he's here is it <laughs> i
1: don't think so we've never had any feedback about the drum roll but if stephen no. lets us know then uh, I will pass it on. And
2: you can. Yeah. Tr- ask, ask Stephen what he thinks about the uh, nostalgia podcast as well. Though.
1: Oh, God, not that again. <laughs> uh, you can be like Stephen <laughs> and be a patron and support us at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. Um, let's talk about Project Restart because there's actually been an update today. Mm. That Premier League, let me get this right Premier League have Confirmed, it's a statement released Today, no it was, oh yeah Yeah today Oh okay, I've got a statement here from Monday the 25th uh, That There were three Players tested positive for Covid Oh but today on Wednesday they voted in favour Of returning to training, contact Training,
2: full contact training
1: When When safe to do so Do we expect that mm. to be soon then
2: Kevin I expect it to be uh, tomorrow. To oh be perfectly wow! Honest. Okay. Uh, I think they've been waiting to to do that for some time. It was a unanimous decision. I think it's the first unanimous decision has been for uh, some time because uh, there have been some clubs. Worried about um, certain things, but there's a unanimous decision taken. I think they they took they sought feedback from players. We saw Andros Townsend last week saying it's the safest environment he's been in. We saw Harry Maguire this week say a very similar thing. So I think they've spoken to the players and they've been led by the players. Um, The testing is clearly now available. I think with the government announcing that track and trace is up and ready from next week, they probably wanted to hear that. Because uh, as we've spoken about before, they've, they've, they've been slightly worried about the PR because the Premier League don't want to be seen to be ahead of the rest of the country in, in having private testing, etc. Cetera, et cetera. So um, I think it's a decision they've been wanting to make for a couple of weeks and I would imagine most clubs will be as, as soon as possible back into, into full contact training and then the next decision will be when the season starts. I think they've probably looked at the Bundesliga as well and seen that that's gone off reasonably well and also I think they're one of their other big worries was that they've they've looked at whether or not fans would turn up at Bundesliga games and they haven't done um, yeah. I think you would still worry about when Liverpool win the Premier League because some of them will want to be there but I think for the most part they've seen that football can come back safely and they, they're itching to get to get it done
1: I do think that german football fans might be slightly more sensible than a lot of premier league fans when it comes to going back to grounds is that fair i mean we know that they're ahead they're ahead aren't they have you been to a game out there the only game i've been to was the augsburg friendly a couple of years ago and andy and i drove with jd senior and we got stuck on the autobahn no we got stuck on the autobahn and got there at half time and then it was nil nil so it was one of the worst friendlies we've ever been to but that's my only experience of german football
2: yeah, i i't I, I think it 's a little bit unfair to say that German fans are more sensible than ours because I think on the whole they 're just as passionate and just as determined and desperate to see their team as as everybody else um, They are a little bit further ahead, but I think by the time our rest- I mean, there there will undoubtedly be fans who want to uh, there will be people who want to gather around Sellers Park and make their and want to be heard on b t sport yeah. um, but I think most people will be sensible enough not to do that, and I think that there will be uh, again, this is one of the issues about football returning for lower league clubs because they simply can't afford. The, the, you, know, you still need stewards and police for games behind closed doors, and ironically, I think for the first couple of Premier League games, you might need more police and stewards than the normal just to keep. The roads around the stadium a bit uh, clear, yeah. uh, but I think I think once people have football back, and I think it it, it will almost certainly be available on free to air TV, i.e. on the BBCs, so, because they won't want people to you know go around their mate's house because he's got BT Sport. So mm. I think I think ninety nine percent of the football fans will be sensible enough to stay at home and 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 watch it.
1: I saw a, th- a thing I think on Twitter actually, Andy, that someone had put the t- potential TV schedule for these games, and it's like Saturday. 12, 2, 4, 6, 8pm, Sunday, 12, yeah. 2, 4, 6, 8pm, Tuesday, 6pm, 8pm, Thursday, 6pm, 8pm. It's like it's going to be like a World Cup.
3: It's going to be excellent, mm-hmm. isn't it? I, mean, I, I don't know quite how I'm going to fit it around my very busy social schedule, but
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I'll find a
3: way.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's one of the things they were very keen on as well, was to make sure that every game is is televised. Because... If, if, for example, Bournemouth Palace was only available on a stream, then you'd you'd be worried that Palace, you know, Palace fans or Bournemouth fans might want to try and turn up. So it's it's essential that people can watch every game in the Premier League live on TV. And they they, I think at the moment they plan to show every single one of them live on TV.
1: Yeah, I'd not thought of that actually. Uh, I- I was assuming it, it's going to be sort of free on TV just because no one can get there. But actually, I hadn't thought about that safety angle that if it's not free to wear, then actually there is mm. a risk of, of people turning up. So actually, yeah, the, the, it needs to be free for everyone. I think, Andy, that's the only route they can do anyway. Uh, you think about what football fans have been through, t- you know, to not having the games and paying for season tickets and tickets and stuff. I think having it free to wear would have been the only fair thing.
3: Well, you say that. that one, one, of the, one of the main imperatives uh, that have caused this to go the way it has is the fact that there are obligations to broadcast rights holders that if they're defaulted upon will create major issues for the league and its clubs and so saying to BT and Sky we're going to not necessarily cannibalise your sales but um, undermine the number of viewers you might otherwise get by putting absolutely everything on BBC and ITV is is not going to wash then as with most things uh, over the last three months there's a series of competing interests and um, uh, difficulties that have to be balanced and weighed against one another, and so putting some of the games on on the BBC I think helps to achieve that. Um, I don't know quite the extent to which that will end up being, you know, a significant number of them or not, but certainly if it helps to. Uh, alleviate any possibility that fans turn up outside games so they can peer through the tiny little gaps in the Arthur White, uh games mm. for example then it's got to be a positive thing and it, it's a positive thing just from a PR perspective and um, you know a community and social good perspective that it shows that the, the reason that football's being put back on albeit uh, being based primarily in some of the financial considerations that clubs have is not being completely uh, ignorant of fans and their, and their interests and their uh, desires to still see my, their My play. guess
2: is, Andy, that the games that will be on BBC are going to be Bournemouth Palace, Watford Burnley. Uh, from what I can hear, Sky and BT will still be cherry-picking the games, so obviously the big games will be on Sky and BT, as they would have done anyway. So I think the games that will be on BBC will be games that wouldn't have been shown live, um, and will have very little impact, I think, on uh, advertising revenues, which is the important thing for for both of them. I think Sky and BT want some sort of football back as soon as possible. And yet, see, the other issue is that, as as you know, so much of the, the broadcasting rights are for overseas. Yes. Uh, and it's the overseas... Sky Sky and BT would probably be sensible and come to a deal about not demanding a refund... If there's no football this season, overseas broadcasters in the Middle East, for example, have got no reason to be sensible and would demand.
3: Yeah, and part of that is is down to the sort of different dynamics there. Sky and BT and Amazon are the only parties generally in this country who are going to have sufficient cash market presence and all that to buy the rights packages so they can kind of take a long-term view and say, "Yeah, yeah, if we don't get... The football on this season will want a discount over the next 10 years but we know that there's yeah. going to be media packages to be sold and that they'll be sold to us and that no one else really will have the cloud market presence or cash to compete with us. Overseas it's kind of not always a free-for-all but certainly it's more of an open season and individual rights holders you might take a bit of uh, a risk in getting the Premier League into, I don't know, Taiwan for the season won't mm. necessarily be quite so willing to take a long-term view because they might not have the same you know cloud market presence and cash reserves of an amazon or a bt or a sky
2: well adam this the, the, it, is a different discussion but in terms of the future of british broadcasting Amazon could buy and sell both Sky and BT. So, yes, in in, in five years' time, we're probably looking at. Amazon. I mean, and I mean, you've seen the importance, isn't it? I mean, again, it's 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 for the Newcastle United pod, but Andy, you've seen how the possible uh, situation about buying Newcastle United is now the Premier League on a situation where um, the World Trade Organization have decided that the the Saudi government are responsible for operating a, broad, a pirate broadcast. Uh, station in the Middle East and if if you think that that's remotely true if that's how much money is, it's possible to make that the Saudi government are invale- involved in, in a private broadcast so that's, there's a lot of money to be made in broadcasting Premier League football outside this country and they're the broadcasters that the Premier League are most worried about losing and they're the people that are they're most worried about refunds being demanded by it
1: It's going to be interesting isn't it? I mean that's just one facet of this of what's going to happen to football and what's going to change off the back of it. I still think, mm. I totally understand what you're saying about the the, the the TV revenues and rights in this country but I still think even if you have Man United Arsenal on uh, BT or Sky, surely you're still going to get the threat of someone turning up to a, to a stadium because it's on a pay-per-view channel. Should they not all <laughs> be on free-to-air?
2: N- no, because the the, the argument is that if, if if some of the games are on free-to-air, that will prevent people going to... The, it's, it's not to prevent people going to the actual grounds, as such as people going to mates' houses. It's going around... So if if there's a game that you can watch on the BBC, then you'll be happy to stay in and watch that game yeah, on the BBC. Okay. If you've got nothing available, that's when the temptation to go round to your mate's house to watch a game comes, or even t- to go through the back door of a pub or whatever. So I, it's very much a temporary solution. Mm. Um, and I'm, my guess is that the games that are shown on the BBC won't have any preamble. It, they will literally go to the commentator a minute before kick off yeah. whereas bt as we've seen with the german games i mean bt is starting those programs an hour before the bundesliga games to get as much advertising in as, as possible, because again, it's about selling, and also the other people that are involved in this are the sponsors, mm-hmm. the sponsors are very keen to get football back on TV, the, the sponsors actually don't really care whether there are people in the ground or not, because sponsors spend all that money on on advertising, not for the 25,000 people at Sellers Park, or the, the 70,000 people at Old Trafford, but for the millions of people watching it around the world, it's, it's, it's to sell their product in the Far East, in the North America and, and so on and so forth, so the sponsors are very keen to get to get football back, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the, the mystery is the championship. I, I don't. I really don't know what's going to happen in the championship. And the other issue, as well, as Andy will know, is that the the EFL and the Premier League are very unhappy about League Two not. Continuing with and uh, because they say it sets a dangerous precedent, they they don't want clubs being relegated, and not being relegated and not being promoted in case Premier League clubs say, well, hang on a second, yeah. clubs are not being relegated from League One, why be we being relegated from for the Premier League? So they're desperate to make sure that any promotion or relegation is determined via actual football. So at the moment, I mean, obviously it doesn't really affect
1: Palace at all, uh, barring an absolute collapse in these in these nine games left. We could get into Europe somehow, isn't It Of it affects us
2: We could be the Fifth place Champions League team
1: But there is a Currently on the table And I'm I'm guessing Andy This is something That is changing Like all the time And I'm sure there are Conversations every day But currently on the table Relegation and promotion Are still on the cards For the end of the season Based on These remaining nine games If and when they're played
3: You'd have to think That it, it would be Because Any Club who's towards The top of the championship Who is then told They're not going to be allowed the chance of an uplift of at least 150 million pounds in their revenue over the next few seasons. Even if they were to go up once and come back down, would be immediately going to, to arbitration and trying to uh, rattle as many cages as possible. So that the I think route that minimises that litigation risk is to ensure that you can try and achieve some sort of normality in relegation and promotion at least between the Championship and the Premier League. The difficulty I think will be that the Premier League obviously has significant uh, revenues, lots of the clubs have pretty decent cash reserves even at a middle level. Um, The clubs have the infrastructure the will, the logistical prowess to pull off the type of testing uh, regime and uh, the Organisational framework that the Premier League is enacting. I've got severe doubts that the EFL and its clubs in the Championship have the same financial means, mm. uh, just manpower and resource to throw at the issue. Organisation. I, I, I don't wish to uh, say anything disparaging about the EFL because there's some incredibly well run clubs and some incredibly bright people running those clubs in the EFL, but you are dealing with a bigger disparity in terms of clout between top clubs yeah. at the top of the championship and clubs at the bottom well, I think it will be incredibly difficult for clubs towards the bottom of the championship to engage in the level of ongoing rigorous testing and insulation of the players that the Premier League is talking about so mm. if they're able to pull it off in the championship then, then all credit to them I, I think it will be by the sounds of it logistically quite difficult
2: The, the, the problem is Andy, I know we're getting quite serious and non-palace here, but the, the problem is whatever whatever the outcome are, outcomes are somebody will will say foul. Basically, somebody will be unhappy if if the Premier League continues and you know three or four players are unavailable because they tested positive and a club's relegated, they'll say well that's not fair. Mm-hmm. Um, So that's why the Premier League wants to, as Andy says, remove As many of the variables as possible What what is unfair is if the EFL said to League 2, right, you you can't continue But the teams that are, that Stevenage have to Go down and the teams that are in the playoffs Don't get a chance to go, because Stevenage Still could win enough points to Stay up, Uh, Morecambe and Macclesfield have both got points deductions Possibly coming, which would, would affect them So that seems to be the worst of all worlds To say, right, the league's not happening but you're still getting relegated. But whatever happens, whatever the outcome is, somebody's somebody's going to be upset. Yeah, I
3: think I think that's yeah. undoubtedly true. But I think the difficulty you've got though is that the lower down you yeah. go, the lower the loss that would arise from the league just basically being curtailed. Now um, it might not be fair. Yeah. From a sporting integrity point of view If a League league 1 club is relegated on some sort of interim basis Points per per game or or whatever But the amount of shortfall that they will suffer Will be not negligible But certainly significantly less than a club not going up From the Championship to the Premier League So I would expect there to be significantly more emphasis On trying to get the Championship done and dusted And League One and League Two, it's not that I don't think the EFL will care, because I think they certainly will. League Two is already done and dusted anyway, isn't it? I think. Um, But but League One, you know, I I, I would expect them to try to find some sort of compromise solution. But the the issues that are pervasive for the Championship in terms of difficulty in arranging and paying for testing and insulation of players will be even more acute in, in League One.
2: Oh, it's not only that, Andy, but they they simply can't afford to put games on behind yeah, quite closed so, yeah. doors. A, a team in league, to, a team in league two can't afford to to put a yeah. game on and not have 2,000 people there, simple as that, let alone the cost of testing. And they got to be tested twice a week. You're talking, I think the figure is 80 grand a week for Premier League wow. clubs just for testing alone. But, you know, if, we, if you're a Charlton fan, for example, you'd be very unhappy if the Championship did end now because they went into the bottom three... Yeah. The day before lockdown was announced So there'd be a On the other hand You could say Well there are clubs That have been relegated yeah. By going into the bottom three On the last on day the other of the hand season it is Having never been in there anyway So uh, uh, Well yeah exactly But the thing is that, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's easier for us To have this discussion Because we support A Premier League team That are mid-table <laughs> who probably won't be affected by this at all, except where, how much we get in prize money at the end of it. If this was a Charlton pod or a Stevenage pod, I'm sure we would have different different views. But So it's easier for us to be yeah. philosophical and calm because you know, if we were fourth from bottom, we would probably be saying, "You know, cancel the season. Everything stays as it is, basically." So, yeah. Well,
1: but this is but it, this is the thing. It could be Palace. You it know, be, we yeah. have been in that I position think... this this time in the season before. It could easily perfect us.
3: But I think you, you can have every you can have every sympathy for. Those clubs from a sporting integrity point of view, and obviously fans. I'm sure some of our fans wouldn't necessarily have sympathy with Charlton <laughs> fans, but there we are. But I think ultimately it's going to come down to the fact that the Premier League can't afford not to finish the season, and the yeah, Championship yeah. may well not be able to afford to finish the season.
2: But but to come back to Palace, it, from uh, uh, every media report seems to indicate that Palace are uh, 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 the, uh, the head. Of the Premier League clubs in terms of <coughs> safe return for for players, and this is this is proper media. This is not Palace media. This is proper sports journalists who are, who are reporting that Palace put issues things in place very very early on for players to come back and feel safe. And I'm sure I'm sure that as soon as this announcement was made today, it it seems like we're not reacting to, to things for for once as we have done in the past. We've been very proactive. So from what I can gather, our players will be ready to yeah. go back into full contact training tomorrow
1: yeah and I'm sure yeah. there is a desire from a lot of the players as well but um, there's a very good I know we did the, the athletic part in part two and it's probably a bit weird for me to mention them in part one but there's a very good article on there um, by Tim Spears and it's, and Dave, it's, it's lockdown
2: it's not nothing's weird mention the athletic <laughs> where you want mate it's, it's fine
1: fair. this is the new normal um, <laughs> there's an article by Tim Spears and David Ornstein about what players are doing in training at the moment like no spitting they're, yeah, bringing, yeah. Their, they're bringing their own ball yeah. It's basically like me back at school again, but it, <laughs> it, it, it seems like a very sort of different way of doing things. But that's an interesting article. We'll come on to the athletic in a bit. Before we do that, do you remember last week when I told you that one of our patrons, Matt Buckland, had simulated the rest of the season? Yes. And yeah. we, uh, we li- yeah. looked into the future to find out well, what we didn't happened. And then someone. The Did
2: we? <laughs> we. Enders did Enders was, Enders was looking into the future last week And the past and the, and the distance He's just on a different metaphysical plane We get that I think it was Enders
1: that also at the end said What would happen if we simulated Palace having won the 2016 FA Cup Yeah Well I have the answers for you now Are you ready to see what would have happened Yes wow. Palace won that day It would have been a massive piss up one there'd have been a huge piss up (laughs) back at the waterfront (laughs) Uh, two so obviously Palace would have gone into Europe and it would have meant that West Ham would have missed out on the Europa League which I'm sure everyone would have enjoyed Um, Matt simulated uh, all the transfers that someone would have had so Andros Pentake Tompkins came in apparently he forgot to transfer Balassie to Everton <laughs> but you know <laughs> can't have everything <laughs> um, and app- apparently that's that's typical palace isn't it um, we also signed a lad called Juan Manuel Vargas whoever that is um, our uh, European campaign started with a qualifying round at Strom's Godset Ooh. which I think is Norway is that Norway?
2: Oh, that would have been a great trip wouldn't it
1: yeah FYP trip to Norway oh um, First leg one 0 draw away. For God's sake, Second palace. leg <laughs> two one win at home. So through to the next round, through to the group stage, I believe in the charity sh- in the community shield, lost to Leicester two one. Oh. That's disappointing. Oh. oh, there was another actually playoff Euro leg First, away at, away at Aik. I think that's Sweden. So back to oh, Scandinavia.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. First leg win four one. Whoa. Second leg win two nil. Oh, Cruising okay. through Cruise. to the group stages, and in our group. Group K in the Europa League, we had Sassuolo, Sassuolo yeah. from Italy, St Etienne, oh, cool. good. and Gelsenkirchen from Germany.
2: Oh, we'd get through that group. You're
1: about to find out. Uh, first game is at home to Sassuolo. Yeah. Crystal Palace 3, Sassuolo 2. Off to cool. a flyer. Um, In the EFL Cup third round, we beat Tottenham 3-1, so we've had a very good start (laughs) to the season. Then we go to St Etienne in our next game, Kevin, and a Dwight Gale goal in the 70th minute. Wins it for Palace, two wins out of two in the Europa League. Wow, away from home, that's great. Then we go to Gelschenkirchen, and we get a one-all draw, even though Scott Dan gets sent off 18 minutes from time. We're flying. Yeah. Uh, we lose to Arsenal in the next round of the EFL Cup, but no-one cares because we're flying in Europe. Mm. At the 10-game mark in the in the Premier League, unfortunately, our home form, Premier League form, has dipped because we're 17th after 10 games, one place and one point outside the drop. All
2: right, so the simulation knows that you still managing it in, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
1: think so. <laughs> I think so. Um, the next game in Europa League is at home to Gelschenkirchen. Unfortunately, we lose 2-0 and, and a young lad called Maximilian Meyer gets the opening goal <laughs> 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 I, wonder, I wonder what happened to him I don't think he it we should buy him
2: we should buy him <laughs> he looks good
1: uh, next game is at home to St Etienne and uh, Bakary Sacco gets a 84th minute winner so Palace win 2-1 which means that we finish the Europa League group in second place going through Whoa. to the knockout stages we're flying in europe this is amazing
2: who knocks us out then
1: <laughs> we'll get on to that <laughs> halfway stage in the premier league um we've recovered slightly and we're up to 13th place after 20 games 22 points oh, we had a one two three four five six seven eight game run without a win from august to october but uh, then in november early december we beat man city away 2 one
2: Wow It's a crazy it's result it's just, This is an actual simulation is it This is not Yeah so it's, it's not just rolling dice here Matt is No it? this is actually a simulation It's gone through a computer
1: Gone through <laughs> Yes God you sound so old right simulation. now um, <laughs> uh, we're into January now FA Cup third round away at Wigan Wigan one Crystal Palace two Wilfred Zaha with a late winner there FA Cup fourth round away at Sunderland Sunderland one Crystal Palace Three Whoa Another cut run on the cards at the end. What of, season this has been? At the end of the January transfer window We go crazy We've signed five players I've heard of none of them <laughs> Gianluca Lapudula from AC Milan
2: yeah.
1: Jose Manuel Uardo from Espanyol Jose Manuel Vargas on a free transfer Oh Well,
2: Freeman's three, on fire, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> um, Ragnar Klavan, I have heard of him From Liverpool can we get simulated Freeman at the club? I like simulated <laughs> Dougie Freeman's great isn't
1: he? <laughs> yeah His stats are amazing And then Jao um, Carlos Textier I never heard of him um, it, We're into the Where are we now? February Knockout rounds Of the Europa League We've drawn Fenerbahce <sighs> Oh The first leg is at home And Fenerbahce Take an 8th minute lead Then they double their lead On the 47th minute Then Lapadula Our new signing Scores and that's how the first leg ends. Uh. Tricky. But then in the fifth round of the FA Cup, we beat Man City again. Whoa. What Into the why? sixth round of the FA Cup. We could, could there be another FA Cup run on our hands? The second leg of the Europa League knockout stage. Andros draws us level after nine minutes. It's 2 all. Away goal. Away goal. Bear in mind, they've got two away goals. Unfortunately, Mehmet Topal then equalises for Fenerbahce. And in the 62nd minute, Fenerbahce make it 2-1.
2: Yeah, I've lost interest now.
1: Shit <laughs> <laughs> season. <laughs> 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 Such a glory hunter. Um, <laughs> into March, sixth round of the Cup. So what's this? Quarter-finals. Crystal Palace against Chelsea in the quarters. Palace 2, Chelsea 1. We're into the semi-finals Ooh, of the FA Cup. The what's happening here? In the semi-final, we get Man United. Time for revenge. And the final score at Wembley that day after a goal in the 54th minute from Andros Townsend is 1-0 Palace for going back to Wembley for the FA Cup final again. Whoa. Second season in a row. We end the season in 13th place. So fairly box yeah, standard so finish to the season there, but we're back at Wembley and do you know who we've got Kevin at you Wembley. do realize there
2: are fans turning this on halfway through thinking what season is this? <laughs> oh, this, this is fantastic. <laughs> Why did not support Palace then? <laughs> at Wembley, uh, we've got Watford.
1: No, we can't <laughs> lose they've, this. They've somehow made it to Wembley. This. Well, in the fourth minute, Igaro scores for Watford. Oh. Not great. In the 37th minute, Loic Remy equalises for Palace. Whoa. One all at half-time. And in the 53rd minute, Christian Benteke scores oh, for Palace. On, 2-1 Sam. Palace. i excited. Now. But unfortunately, oh. in the 64th minute, Benteke scores Yay! again. It's 3-1 Palace. <laughs> and the final score ends Palace 3 Watford 1 we've won the FA Cup for the second year in a row row, oh my god which means another European adventure which Matt thankfully hasn't simulated because we haven't got enough time on this podcast but that's what happens Kevin if we win the FA Cup in 2016
2: well there's only one drawback with that isn't
3: there (laughs) Uh, It's like London buses you wait for one simulated trophy and then two come
2: along in two simulated seasons (laughs) (laughs) so all we need now is a simulated time machine to take us back to Wembley and win it who knows? Well, no. if the listeners want, but imagine, imagine the dancing Pardew would have done if he would won oh, it twice. I'm
1: going to imagine that Padu maybe got sacked after that eight-game winless run at the start of the season, and, and maybe Sam came in. Um, if mm. the listeners want to hear any other simulations, let us know. I've put that on our website so you can read all the breakdown of all the players and stats and lineups, um, and let us know.
2: Yeah, no. <laughs> he should have started doing this at the start of lockdown, not towards yeah, the end. Yeah,
1: actually, Matt did. <laughs> he would, he would Matt did. Been... I oh, just did didn't. I didn't get around <laughs> to doing it. in to... <laughs> classic JD fashion, what I'm going to get around to doing now, though, is break for part. Two, where we're going to read an article from The Athletic.
0: It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Welcome back to the Faux Plan Podcast. Hey.
1: Hey. Pod three, 3 Two times FA Cup winning Crystal Palace. <laughs> the, the double FA Cup winning podcast. Can you imagine? <laughs> that would have been, oh, that would have been amazing. Um, right, it's part, time for an article from The Athletic. They're a world-class team of writers covering every club, including the best coverage of two-time FA Cup winning Crystal Palace. They're a description-based <laughs> website and app. Completely ad-free. No ads, no annoying pop-ups, just brilliant articles. Welcome to the new home of football writing. And if you haven't yet, why haven't you? But you can visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash F paid to start a seven-day free trial and receive 50% off your yearly subscription. Kevin, today's article is from Matt Woosem and it's about the best ever sale. And it's weird mm. because I don't feel like we've been a selling club in recent years, whereas growing yeah. up we always were. But Matt has pinpointed three big sales. I'm not going to read much out, but I am going to tell you those players. The first one is Aaron Wambasaka, £50 million, yeah. which obviously set a record for the most paid for a player that... Had Played for less than a season, I think it was, or less than 50 yeah, games. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other player is uh, Wilfred Zaha, of course, who went to Man United and then we bought him back a fraction of the price. Then there's Yannick Balassi, who we sold to Everton for 25 million, oh, mm. except, of course, not in the simulation because Matt forgot. Um, then there's um, AJ, sold to Everton for 8.6 million, which seemed like an absolute. Wow, seemed like a, a, I think it was a record at the time. Um, then, of course, there is uh, Clinton Morrison, who we sold to uh, Birmingham for 4.25, then bought back and partnered with AJ, and we got AJ at the time. And finally, Victor Moses to Wigan for 2.5 million, which I think we'd have expected more. But, of course, that money helped facilitate the club staying alive, and it opened a mm. spot in the team for a certain lad called Wilfred Zaha. So do any of those out of that list there, Kevin, or are any others that come to mind when you think about Palace's greatest sale? Well,
2: it's hard. It's hard to define the greatest. I mean, if you talk about greatest buy, it seems the criteria is much easier, isn't it? You talk about greatest sale. I mean, if, if, if Yannick had got injured, God forbid, as quickly as he did for Everton, and he was still with us... Then you'd say, well, that's a great buy, a great sale, because we've got twenty-five million quid for a player. I, I, I mean, the Wan-Bissaka one was to get that much money for a player so soon in his career was was good. Because and I don't think he's quite quite been as good for United as he has been for us. But it's harder to stand out in a in a much better team. Obviously, the one that made me sad. I mean, was thinking about Yannick because mm. I think Yannick has one of those players who was only ever brilliant for Palace. You know, he, he was, yeah, you know, Bristol City fans were pretty glad to see the back of him, basically. Um, yeah. Partly due to the injury. Everton fans didn't take to him, partly. And also, that's because they they didn't think he was worth anywhere near 25 million quid. Mm. I, I just, I still miss him. For me, he's, he's still one of the great regrets. I mean, that was, that was a season and a half when him and Wilf in their pomp was was fantastic. There's rumours the Kevin, Vic's, of, the, he, of yeah. him
1: linking him back with a return, uh, a sort of cut price return to Palace this summer, was that? would you be in favour of that?
2: Emotionally, yeah, I would in a way, in the same way that I'd be emotionally pleased to see Glenn Murray back, but I, it's, it's not the direction you'd want to take, is it really? We've spoken on this pod several times recently about the need to Reduce the age of the squad, yeah. and and the injury that Yannick had was so bad. I can't imagine him ever being the same, the same player again. But obviously, you'd always want to see Yannick coming back to Palace. But unfortunately, I'd rather see Ferguson come back than Yannick. To be perfectly honest, but I mean, the, the Victor Moses one is interesting because under normal circumstances, you'd be quite cross to lose a player to Wigan. But the financial situation was such that you kind of accepted that was that was the case. Wolf turned out to be good business but only because man united simply didn't know how to well let's, let's rephrase that because moyes simply didn't know how to you know, play you know I still think wilf was very unlucky that you know united didn't tell us that Ferguson mm, yeah. wasn't likely to be manager because i think Ferguson would have managed wilf really well basically and i think wilf would be probably in a champions league team by now yeah so the Yannick the, the, but i think in, just in terms of business <coughs> Excuse me, Juan Bersaca, just in terms of business, you'd have to say he was the best. Yeah. To be perfectly honest, in terms of getting money for a, a player who hadn't fully realised his true value yet. The Wolf
1: one's <laughs> interesting because, actually, as you said, Ferguson leaving actually did Palace a massive favour because if Ferguson stayed, he'd have never come back to Palace so quickly and we'd have never seen Wolf's best years as we have done in the last few years and we've got to watch the best of Will Flush Andy out of that list which which one sort of jumped out at you or are there any any others from down the list that that come to mind
3: Uh, Balassi or Wambisafra I would say Mm.
1: (laughs) you don't want to elaborate on that no (laughs) god I hate I hate it when he does that
2: (laughs) so much you asked him a straightforward question he gave you a straightforward answer
1: I know. Why why have I not learnt that? Okay. Why, Andy? <laughs> now now
0: you're learning the
3: art of asking questions. Excellent. I, mean, I, I, I think the the fear chief for Wan bissaka speaks for itself really, doesn't it, given the context of where he was. And the Balassi fee I think speaks for itself in terms of what happened with Yannick much as I loved him at Palace immediately thereafter showed cashing out at the top of the market based on the historical context I think uh, there's a bit of hindsight I guess with that one in that Palace fans were slightly upset at the time that he left just given how big a player he was um but equally, you know, you have to look look back on that and say that was the right time to cash out on him, and the Wan-Bissaka deal, you know, it was a world record
2: deal. So I think you can look much further than that. I think I think twenty five million for Balasik. Much as I hated, really, genuinely hated to lose him, twenty five million was quite a lot of compensation. To be honest, I mean that was a, that was a time of three year period when transfer fees were so hyperinflated that uh, it, he was he wasn't worth that much money. To be perfectly honest, so that made you know, the... in. I think it's almost something that you need to get Matt to simulate because the only real way to, to <laughs> test how effective the, the transfer is is what you do with the money that, yeah. th- that it brings in. You know? Yeah, and, well,
1: actually, and Matt, Matt Woosnam in his piece makes a good point that actually of that Bellassi money, half of that was spent on Townsend yeah uh, from Palace, which I think really has been money well spent yeah. and that's obviously half the price we got for Plus. It's just nice though, Kevin, isn't it? You know, growing up as a Palace fan in the early 90s, we were such a selling club that as soon as you had half decent player you knew they'd be gone you know Chris I remember selling Chris Armstrong which was a record at the, at the time and being gutted about that Wamba aside it's quite nice now that Palace aren't really a, a selling club you know we're, we're able to hold on to our stars like, like Wilf and, and the likes of that and get the best out of people like Johan Goodbye and then sell him when you know his value's gone down and, and he doesn't we not need as much as much as I miss him well, it's nice that that dynamic's changed
2: the, there's a sort of wider discussion there because you know, for years my generation in particular everyone says our Palace's model is bring a player on from the youth team every and every three years you do like crew does. you sell him for 10 million quid and that finances the net the, 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 the number of players we actually did that with you can count on the fingers of one hand. Really? So a lot of the players you talk about are not players that we that we brought in, and we've never been the sort of club to bring in the young players I mean I would say the average age of our incomings over the last 10 years has probably been higher than any other club so we we tend to bring players in and then we can't Mm. sell them because they were 27 when they came in and 30 when we went to sell them and you're never going to get the same amount of money so I think it's it's a hard question to answer without getting somebody to look at 25 years worth of buying and selling and see whether we come on what side of the, the the gap we come down on it's like the the days are long gone when our academy's job is to to bring players in to sell, yeah. um, and it seems for the moment that it's long gone when it, the the job of the academy was to bring players in to play as well. So
1: yeah and that is another discussion for another podcast although we may have a question about it later so we'll see if we end up asking that but for now let's move on from the athletic of course if you visit the FYP, you can start a seven day free trial and we'll see 50% off your yearly subscription uh after the break we have got questions from our listeners Welcome back to the 5-Year Plan Podcast. Hey! Pod 336, it's time for questions from our listeners. Kevin, as ever, to keep it as democratic as possible, I've numbered the questions and you guys are going to pick the answer, uh, the number. We've got some new ones from this week and we've got some from last week we didn't get to, which does mean there are some numbers missing. So let's just hope you don't pick them. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you can give me a number from 2... To forty three. Oh, that'd be that'd be great. Thirty
2: three. I'll have thirty seven
1: then. Thirty seven does exist. Unfortunately, it's a question that comes with a photo. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'll just read it out anyway. I'll give you another uh, ch- a chance in a minute. It's from Keith Madge Diamond, who I also guess. is at magic cheese who we've read out before who says should vicente wear these gloves and he sent a photo of some rainbow themed gloves with the nhs logo on them yes in honor of the nhs my son is going to play in them when he returns for crawley and maiden Bower panthers as ever loving the pod i think the answer to that even without seeing the photo kevin is yes
2: yes i, th- I think we'll be uh, i think we'll be seeing a lot of uh, those sort of Uh, Gestures when football comes back and um, one of the things I'm really looking forward to is uh, um, the first time fans are allowed back in my guess is that the HF will have a remarkable tribute to the NHS and our community yeah that's going to be great as well because they 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 do have a very good record in, in creating things like that and I'm sure they will create something that reflects our thanks to the people that have helped us get through this, but certainly I think a lot of clubs will be doing similar things and uh, and rightly so as well, because I think if there's, I, if there's one good thing that has come out of this, it's that, that the NHS is off the political agenda for the next absolutely, generation Absolutely, basically.
1: absolutely yeah. and it, and I'm sure there'll be stuff like that and I'm sure the club will be inviting hopefully local NHS workers yeah. and stuff like that to games so that we can all show our appreciation um, Kevin, why don't you pick another number for us
2: uh, Let's go 36 then
1: it's from Will Luck. Hi, Will. <laughs> and he says, in what creative ways have you tested your eyesight? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I can't drive. So that one, As it, I, <laughs> I, I I thought it's I, hats off to Gove, who just even trailed off on, him, on his own when he said, well, we've all we've all gotten into a car and uh, and then just couldn't even finish it. it is um, yeah it will be one of those yeah it's like known unknowns and economical with the truth in in years to come that will be it's going to be a trope for quite some time, isn't it really? Very much. It's got to the situation where I think in other countries they probably would have been pitchfork wielding mobs but because we're British and it's locked down it's just kind of go, oh, it's alright, it's a bit well, funny. We just shout our we window shout at Dominic, uh, Dominic Cummings as he's walking home. <laughs> I died. My, my favourite bit was the bloke from Bargain Hunt who looks at, who's bald who lives in Barnard Castle, suggesting that it might have been him that people saw. <laughs> <laughs> really yeah, 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 because all those 8 million people who watch Bargain Hunt on a daily basis. Also, the journalist who referred to it as Castle Bernard was uh, the London journalist. <laughs> <laughs> Castle oh, Bernard was very funny. Lovely. <laughs> I know. Uh, That's a good question. It's a very good question.
1: Right, thank you, Will Luck, for that question. Andy, why don't you pick us a number?
3: 32.
1: Is some liairs?
2: Hey Lee, hi Lee.
1: Oh, he said it refers to today. Actually, I, I, I should have put it on the list for discussion point. Today, Kevin, sorry, or, and Andy, <laughs> I've just done it again. Moved on from you. Um, is the four-year, seven-year anniversary that we beat Watford in the playoff final to make is the Premier today? League at Wembley? It is indeed. One of our Twitter users—we've got multiple people that have access to our Twitter account—went on a slight, I'd, I'd say, a sort of like a light trolling of Watford on our feed uh, this this morning, star- staring up what I would call a non-rivalry. But Lee has I said, this perhaps, <laughs> <laughs> fuck sake, why can oh god, that's bad, <laughs> Jesus. Come on oh, God, Easiest sequen link ever but, but never mind Carry on Can I use the excuse Of having a young baby? No I've got two No because he's got two <laughs> Okay this is definitely Getting cut um, Leah said Do the panel know Why the FYP Twitter feed Seems to be big up A rivalry with Watford When most of us Don't think they're worth it What would your response To that be Andy?
3: Probably much For the same reason That one might go To Barnard Castle
2: We're just all a bit bored
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, that's absolutely, we, uh, that's
2: fair. We don't see it. The, the problem is that Watford fans generally really do. Date, yeah we've had this discussion many times and that's one of you know one of the things that i like about us possibly being the oldest club is how annoyed it, Watford fans more than anybody else you a lot of the clubs who've got claimed to be the oldest club are upset but what you know Watford fans genuinely don't like us and that that makes me laugh a lot the fact that they don't like us and it really annoys them that we don't care in, yeah. in the same way that we don't really care about Charlton we kind of would care about Millwall if brighton didn't exist so yeah. I, I'm I'm perfectly happy to sit back and watch other people taunt Watford fans I wouldn't do it I wouldn't soil my own hands by doing it but you know <laughs> <laughs> good well uh, whoever was running the Twitter
1: account today carry on well it's not you um,
2: well done Chady. it
1: wasn't me yeah, it wasn't me no I'm too busy looking after a young child And say, on, so somebody else looks after the Twitter account uh, there's, there's a group there's a group of us that all have sort of access oh, that's to nice. it yeah. I think if you read
2: the tweets, it's obvious who it that's is. The, I think you the, can read that, the tweets. That that's also we will see from the civil service tweet at the weekend what happens when you let other people have access to your Twitter feed. Yeah, somebody goes, rogue, <laughs> somebody goes rogue. The last thing you want is a palace. All I'm
1: saying is, it's the one member of the team that would pronounce it Bernard Castle. Um let's move on
2: is he 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 an airplane fan (laughs) let's move on to the next (laughs)
1: uh, question Kevin we've got time for a few more Kevin why don't you uh, give us another number 19 number 19 is a question from Quentin Solden Hi, Quentin, Hi, Quentin. Uh, one of our long time uh, listeners and on Facebook is qualified as a top fan apparently so there you go thank you Quentin for your support mm-hmm. Quentin says what CPFC branded garments have the team been wearing during lockdown replica shirts not included for me it's palace socks and a training top as a base layer I do live in Inverness
2: oh well you, he's, he's answered his own question then because it's been way too hot down here to wear anything other than I, I haven't got any palace pants actually I've been drinking. I've been drinking a lot out of one of my many. I, I can't seem to realise how many beer festival mugs I've collected. I've got way more beer festival pint glasses than I've actually been beer festivals. So I'm not. Mm. I'm not quite sure how I manage <laughs> that. But I've been. <laughs> I've been drinking. I've been drinking a lot of. <laughs> a lot of that. Oh, that
1: first beer festival Absolutely. next year. Assuming we can all be oh, in the same place, that's going to be
2: incredible. It's going to be great. Surely by then we'll have. I'm
1: going to attend on Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> what pa- uh, Andy, what, what what Palace garb have you got in the house? Any Palace related stuff?
3: Uh I just both kids up in Palace kits yesterday when Jen said, "Can you
2: get him dressed for once?" That was that. That made Ali, my wife, laugh. I thought something had gone. I'm not suggesting that laughter is not a sound I'm used to hearing from my wife. Just because I, it sounds like an it sounds like an angel gargling silk. But um, she's got a very she's got a very as you know, Ali's got a very raucous laugh, and I she just she would laugh for about five minutes at the picture field your two babies in palace gear with that caption what happens when dad's allowed to dress the kids <laughs>
3: and then Freddie proceeded to wear his shirt all day and uh, you might be pleased to hear that he calls us Missile Palace which I think is actually quite apt <laughs> excellent excellent I mean to be
1: fair Andy what other reason is there to have a child if you're not going to dress it up in palace gear fair point
3: yeah. yeah
1: yeah we've got five minutes left Andy pick us a number uh,
3: Michael Jordan 23
1: is a number okay here we go Okay, it's from it's from someone called Matthew Harrison, and he starts it, let's try this in the raffle again. So I think this is, Matthew has been trying to get this in, and now I'm reading it, I'm realising why I've not read it out in the future weeks. But you know what? I'm a fan of democracy, so I'm going to read it. Here we go, Andy. Palace's American owners are popularly maligned among the wider fan base, but with COVID-19, could they be seen as an insurance policy now for survival? Mm-hmm they have (laughs) don't encourage him they have much deeper pockets and it's about to become a buyer's market with transfers too can delaying Mm. player transfers recently soon pay off nice not to worry about administration for a change that question was a bit of a journey what's your reaction to it
3: well I've said in previous pods that um, clubs that have bigger cash reserves are probably going to be insulated better from the Covid crisis than clubs who don't whether or not Palace do or don't have big cash reserves, I wouldn't like to say, and don't want to be drawn on. But um, if that if that is the case, then um, I think that will be what happens in the market with those sorts of clubs. Um, Calling it an insurance policy, you know, I I, I I wouldn't like to say. I think there's a lot of assumptions built into that question.
2: Yeah, I I think it's a uh, I think it's a good question. I think it's a, a, a well asked question as well, actually because they are, he's right to say, popularly maligned as well, because a lot of Palace fans it's, it's more that we don't hear for them, which is why, again, speculation grows but I think I think most Premier League teams as long as this is over by this time next year as you imagine it will be um, most Premier League teams in fact, I'd probably say all Premier League teams are insulated for a, a given time compared to the rest of football but Of the the Premier League teams Probably four or five As Andy will know Will come out of this Way way ahead Um, You know Man City are owned by a country Essentially This is a a tiny blip to them You know If Newcastle are bought By the the Saudi Basically the Saudi royal family Which it will be They'll be one of the teams That are in a position To take advantage of the fact That it will be a, a buyer's market So you've got 12 or 13 Premier League teams Who will come through this uh, as long as broadcasting money starts to come in sooner rather than later, and then you 've got six or seven Premier League teams who will be in a situation to exploit, as Oliga Socio said, the fact that some of those Premier League teams and a lot of championship teams will have to sell players yeah. in the future i mean the, the, the fact i mean we don 't know the intent of the American owners. Uh, I don't think they're particularly desperate to sell, but you, you'd rather have wealthy American owners at this stage of the game than not have, if you see what I mean. Uh, and I don't think we're in a situation where th- there will be clubs who have to sell their way out of this. I think you'll see a lot of championship clubs and League One and League Two clubs being bought by new owners who are now able to acquire a Premier League club or a, a football club. Um, a, lot, a much lower price, and the, the fact is, the popularity of English football is such that for a, a lot of foreign owners, even owning a, a League One, League Two club is, is represents a certain amount of of cachet. But then, as we've seen with a lot of clubs like, you know, Macclesfield, having an absentee foreign owner isn't always a, a good thing. But I think that's a good question, and I think there is an element of. Insurance might not be the right word, but certainly assurance. I think mm. uh, in having the Americans there. Definitely. I think
1: actually Matthew makes a, a good point that we used we've on the pod for a while been talking about how unpopular the owners are, but actually maybe now in this current situation we might be a little bit more grateful that they are here and that we don't have to worry about administration and that actually yeah, we are I'm... a bit safer than we have been, you know, in previous decades.
3: Yeah, that's a very good point at the end of that question. I think. Mm. um you know, it's very easy to take stability for granted because it's boring, isn't it? but yeah, um, yeah. It's certainly something which you know, if you're towards the bottom of the championship, I, I think you're probably having a slightly less fun yeah. time of it than uh, a more stable, financially solvent club is. Yeah. Like Palace.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. The level of unpopularity of the Americans is because inter- we don't actually know enough about them to, to dislike them. We'd, that's the problem. We don't know exactly how much they're investing on a, on a weekly basis. You know, we, we know our wage bill is probably £10 million a month, but we don't know how much of that is being financed by the Americans or, and by broadcasting, and there's no reason we should know, to be perfectly honest. It's like, and as like Andy says, for the most part, as long as it's, it's being paid, I don't, I'm not particularly worried who's seeing yeah, us yeah, through yeah. this situation as long as we get through yeah. it basically, and and as Matthew said in his question, as Andy said, this now is not the time to be selling, you're not going to get a profit on your investment at the moment if you are selling any club, to be perfectly honest.
1: Well there you go Matthew the raffle came up in your favour finally. Um, Last question then Kevin, is from Chris Lehman, who used to edit One More Point fanzine, which was the precursor to FYP yeah. there we uh, go. back in the yeah. day, and Chris is actually writing a book at the moment of all his memories of the early years of FYP, um, and I think he's almost well, finished
2: more. it. So, that... one more point, you mean?
1: What did I say? FYP. FYP. Yeah. Oh, Freudian. Uh, OMP. One more point. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be some incredible stories. So we
2: will keep people posted as to when that gets published. Um, well, you ca- it's interesting because I don't. My generation, the, the whole that whole fanzine culture that came out of music and football was so exciting. Yeah. Because we'd never had anything like it. I mean, and there's a, it's as it happens with nostalgia. People, are, there's a whole generation of people who are yearning to see. Things like that again, because you know, as as you know, well, as you probably not a good example. Fanzines have become very slick and very polished, and very <laughs> s- there. Yeah, there are some fanzines that it's hard to distinguish from them between them and the match day programme. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's an element that's, that we're missing of that. Because fa- I mean, they were harsh. They did. They, they you know they, they really upset a lot of club owners. And one more point was no, was oh. no exception. I mean, Ron knows it, it was it wasn't popular with the, the club hierarchy, especially when we were going through bad times. So, oh. I for one will be very much looking forward to reading that. One more point was
1: brilliant. I, was, I loved it. It was my favourite fanzine at Palace, yeah. and it was it was so cutting. And Chris was the guy who who was the Grim Reaper when they marched up yeah, the, course, the, the yeah, hill. Yeah. Um, against Goldberg.
2: He's big, so anyway, he's big mates with Dr John Curran, isn't he, I believe? I must be. Do you know what? Yeah. I, didn't, I don't know, but must be. Everyone's big mates with F- Dr exactly. John Curran. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Chris's question. Chris- the athletics great, but I, I just... Well, shall see if Chris I, I, wants to sponsor the podcast? I forget, I, I just, well, just get John Curran back. I've got embroidery needs. I've got, <laughs> I've got all sorts of things going on.
1: <laughs> Listen, Chris, uh, Chris has got a question. He says um, five-year plan was named after Goldberg's Ultimately doomed division for Palace's future. This is true when Goldberg yeah. came in and said I've got a five year plan to get in Champions League and we were administration six months later. Um which as we all know is hashtag typical palace. We <laughs> all know only too well the ones to be behind one more point, of course that season when Palace went down. The night to the, the the it's the Oldham season, isn't it, when we needed one more point to stay up. Yeah. Um his question he says question to the panel If you were starting a Palace fanzine now,
2: what would you call it? Ah, oh, you've already mentioned it. I'd call it typical palace. Oh yeah, that's good. Does it have to be typical palace? Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, that's good. Andy, any suggestions?
3: Stuart, I kid Chronicles. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I should have seen that coming. <laughs> I should have seen that coming.
2: And if Enders was here, he'd say something like the the ultimate chron- uh, the ultimate adventures of the Viking Roy Hodgson. <laughs> anyway, I've missed Enders. Um.
1: Let's let's It's not easy to miss. miss, (laughs) miss. (laughs) 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 Oh, good, Um, lads. Let's wrap it up there. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you to our listeners for your questions, as ever, and thank you, Kevin and Andy. I'll see you guys next week. Have a safe week.
2: Hope so. Always a pleasure. Bye. Pleasure. You too.
1: Wash your hands. (laughs) Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon.
2: Podcast Network.